Welcome to This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. I'm Colleen Mitchell, and I've had type 1 diabetes for 25 years. I'm a life coach, author, and speaker. I also work full-time as a process analyst in the power industry. I'm passionate about type 1 diabetes education and showing others that this disease doesn't define me. I'm Jesse Tuggy, and I've had diabetes for nine years. I love hiking and painting. I'm looking forward to working as an engineer after I get my degree in college. My diagnosis has inspired me to take control of my life and my future, to learn everything I can about type 1 diabetes. Each week on the show, we'll talk about real life with type 1 diabetes, bring on cool people with connections to type 1, and above all, encourage you to understand that this disease doesn't have to hold you back. This isn't medical advice. This is life with type 1. Welcome to episode 62 of This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. Today, we're covering setting boundaries with parents once you're an adult. The relationship paradigm between you and your parents shifts once you become an adult, and it's important to set boundaries with your diabetes management if you want to become independent. A quick reminder for our audience, if you have any questions about type 1 diabetes, please leave us a comment or send an email to colleen at inspiredforward.com. We answer listener questions in future episodes. I have the win this week, and it's pretty short and normal, I guess, is uh, having relatively smooth numbers, both yesterday and today after I had kind of a weird high on the weekend. Jesse, what's your fail? So my fail actually doesn't have anything to do with type 1 diabetes this week. It's just like a general life fail that I had. So my fail this week would be that I actually ran out of space for a new plant that I got. If you don't know, I am a very invested plant mom, meaning I care about plants a lot and I have a ton of them. One way that you can get a lot of plants is by opening up an avocado and taking the pit out and using it as a seed. What you do is you stick three toothpicks in each side and you place the halfway in the water. So I did the whole toothpick process and then I realized I didn't actually have a container to fit it in. Eventually, I did find one that worked quite well at the moment, but eventually I'm going to have to move that guy over. I'm impressed that you can be plant mom because I can't keep plants alive to save my life. Although the plant that my boss got me when my grandmother passed away, that one somehow is just thriving for some reason. All I do is water it. (laughs) It took me like a year to get to this point and I have about nine different plants in my room now. So I'm very... Sadly invested. And then since Corona happened, it hasn't helped whatsoever. I mean, I would love to just be one of those people who has plants everywhere, but either I would kill them or the cat would knock them over. Anyway, I have the hack this week and some hacks are worth repeating. So I think we've done this one before, but it's to join a diabetes community platform. Crowdsourcing tips and advice is a great way to figure out what boundaries you might want to set and understand the other side of the equation. I'm on DMP, which stands for Diabetes Management Platform. It's a relatively new community app by TLC Platforms. And I did a live stream for them on September 27th about living like type 1 diabetes doesn't control you. And they save those live stream recordings. You can sign up for an account and then go watch that live if you'd like. Now we're going to talk about boundaries. Always a fun topic. Merriam-Webster defines boundaries as something that indicates or fixes a limit or an extent. How I define it on my website when I'm writing blog posts that involve boundaries is that boundaries define what I do in response to someone crossing the line I've drawn and told them about. Now, you don't have to tell people your boundaries. 
I've just seen that it helps if you do. Then people actually know where and what your line is, and they're less likely to be confused about why you've enforced a consequence for them crossing it. Lots of people think boundaries define what other people are or aren't allowed to do, but that's not the case. Boundaries define what you do in response to someone crossing it. In Dr. Henry Cloud's best-selling book, Boundaries, he describes them like this. Any confusion of responsibility and ownership in our lives is a problem of boundaries. Just as homeowners set physical property lines around their land, we need to set mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual boundaries for our lives to help us distinguish what is our responsibility and what isn't. He goes on to say that many clinical psychological symptoms such as depression, anxiety disorders, eating disorders, addictions, impulsive disorders, guilt problems, shame issues, panic disorders, and marital and relational struggles find their root in conflicts with boundaries. So can you see how these might be important for new adults with type 1 diabetes to set with their parents? If you were diagnosed as a toddler or even as a teenager, your parents have most likely been the ones managing your diabetes right up until you turn 18. Sometimes parents let their kids take on more responsibility if asked for or by default, kind of like me and Jesse. But the parents that I've met, at least some of them who have children with type 1 diabetes, are very, very involved with their child's diabetes management. Depending on how much the parent holds on to that responsibility, the kid might have a hard time taking that responsibility for him or herself once they become an adult. So why do type 1 diabetics in particular need to set boundaries or in general? Still quoting from Dr. Cloud's book, boundaries define us. They define what is me and what is not me. A boundary shows me where I end and someone else begins, leading me to a sense of ownership. Knowing what I am to own and take responsibility for gives me freedom. Taking responsibility for my life opens up many different options. However, if I do not own my life, my choices and options become very limited. Think how confusing it would be if someone told you to guard this property diligently because I will hold you responsible for what happens here and then did not tell you the boundaries of the property or they didn't give you the means with which to protect the property. This would not only be confusing, but also potentially dangerous. So how much of your diabetes management is yours to manage? Do you experience the consequences of poor food choices or of forgetting to bring your meter kit with you? As kids, our parents are responsible for packing our lunches, making sure we have our low snacks, our meter kits, or our CGM receivers. They make sure we change our sites every three days or rotate our sensors and sites to reduce the buildup of scar tissue. What happens to those responsibilities when you become an adult? They become yours. And if you don't know about them beforehand, or your parents are reluctant to hand those responsibilities over, then you're the one who suffers. Boundaries are in place to protect us. They're not there for us to be rude. So here are some boundaries you may need to set with your parents when you become an adult managing your own diabetes. I am responsible for making sure I have all of my supplies with me when I leave the house. What this looks like when it's honored is the parents don't remind you about forgetting your Dexcom receiver before leaving your dorm for class. Another one is I order my supplies. What this looks like when it's honored is the parents are not responsible for ordering supplies. You are, and you set up reminders for yourself to make sure that you never miss a shipment. Another one is I call the insurance company. And what this looks like when honored is you don't whine or complain to your parents about having to call insurance. (laughs) You just do it and manage your emotions about it. 
This also means the parents don't call the insurance company on your behalf unless you are unable or because you're in the hospital or something. Another boundary is I pay my co-pays and my co-insurance costs. Now, this one is, is important in particular if you have parents who use money as a control tool. So what this looks like when it's honored is your parents don't cover your medical expenses. You don't ask your parents to pay for your doctor's appointments or your supplies merely because you don't want to have the responsibility of paying for it yourself. Another one is that it's not your parents' responsibility to know what your blood sugar is at all times. It's yours. So what this looks like is that your parents don't ask you about your blood sugar all the time. They also don't automatically assume your mood or your problems are because of your blood sugars. This also means that you check your blood sugar regularly and correct appropriately when needed. You don't rely on your parents to tell you when to have a low snack or to take insulin for a high. And then the last boundary I'll share is I get to decide how much insulin to give and when to give it. What this looks like when it's honored is your parents don't pester you about pre-bolusing or asking if you gave insulin for what you just ate or are just about to eat. It means they don't interfere with how much you give to correct highs or tell you how much insulin you should take for any given circumstance. Now, those are just examples of what boundaries could look like depending on your parents and your circumstances. You're certainly welcome to try on these boundaries to see how they feel for you. But the best boundaries you set are the ones that you come up with and that work for you and your life. So I think it's important to set boundaries with your parents no matter what. But when you have type 1 diabetes, it becomes more important when you want to take full responsibility for your life and be an independent adult. Many parents, especially nowadays, are increasingly involved in almost every aspect of their children's lives. When you add type 1 diabetes on top of that, they can feel like they need to be inside every aspect of the disease, managing it for their kids. And they can often have a very hard time letting go of that responsibility when their kids age into adulthood. For all of our listeners, I'm making faces at this because my parents did a really great job of like letting me have my space when I needed it. And then they were very accepting when I told them, hey, I need help. So just to be able to go back to them and say, I need help, help me grow was really important. And just knowing that there are some kids out there and even teenagers who still rely on everything from their parents is just like, it just irks me. It's like one of my biggest pet peeves. I'm just very much not used to that lifestyle anymore that it's it's hard for me to hear because I know it's like, the parents sometimes have to be there or else they feel like they're completely out of control, which isn't true for most parents. I mean, you don't have to be there for literally everything your child does. You can be there for most of it and let them grow up on their own too. Very, very good points. And speaking of which, a lot of new adults struggle with setting boundaries with their parents because it can be uncomfortable. And what Jesse was talking about is it can be uncomfortable to, to talk to your parents about this. It's uncomfortable to tell a parent who is an authority figure, no, when they want to keep control over your diabetes management. Now, while the fourth commandment says to honor your father and your mother, that does not mean abdicating your responsibility over your own life to make them feel better. They are responsible for their feelings. You're not. Our parents' job is to raise us into adults who are productive members of society. And we can't be productive members of society if we don't take responsibility for our lives. And that includes managing our own diabetes. So some boundaries I set with my parents, I never really consciously called them boundaries, 
But when I went to college, I pretty much told my mom she was not allowed to ask what my blood sugar was all the time anymore. She wasn't allowed to ask if I had given insulin for my food or if I had all of my supplies when I left my dorm. It just wasn't her responsibility anymore. I'd mostly been responsible for changing my sites, uh, giving my own insulin, all of that for several years by the time I went to college. But a huge sticking point for me was when I was younger, almost every conversation started with a what's your number question of some kind. And that one really irked me. So when I got to college, I was like, mom, you are not allowed to ask that question anymore. And she has taken it in stride. She does not ask me that question anymore. It's kind of (laughs) great. Now, I don't remember having to set many boundaries, if any, with my dad. He was really laid back and the kind of dad who took my sister and me to Dairy Queen after school. And I remember the early camp years at Panther Camp when we drove in every day. We would stop at Dairy Queen on the way home and I'd get corn dogs for dinner. So he really wasn't that worried about what I was eating. <laughs> you know, once I had my own job with my own insurance, I did keep my dad's insurance as secondary until I turned 26. But my parents let me own that responsibility. And I think this was more because my mom didn't want to deal with it. So she took every opportunity to pass those responsibilities off to me once I was no longer living under their roof. And I I mean, she was happy for me to get my driver's license, which is weird for a lot of people to hear because it meant that I could run errands for her. The first thing that she had me do when I got my license was go to the store for milk and to Papa John's for pizza. It's kind of interesting, the difference in expectations for driving versus diabetes management. (laughs) Anyway, or when I think of having boundaries, I also think of how empowering it is to have boundaries. Like Dr. Cloud wrote in his book, taking responsibility for my life opens up many different options. If I don't like my third-party supplier for sites or reservoirs, I have the freedom to change that. Or the very least, the freedom to call my insurance and find out if I can. If I'm responsible for buying my own groceries and making my own meals, although my husband makes a lot of my food now, then I get to change what I eat if I don't think my food is serving me well. It's really, really difficult for minor children to change their diets if their parents aren't on board because the kids are not responsible for the grocery shopping. I'm also responsible for managing my basal rates. If I'm constantly going low in the middle of the night or constantly going high in the morning, then I get to play with my basal rates to find out what's the best combination and the timing. Now, if I tried to pass that off onto my mom now, she would be so unwilling to take it on because not only do I not live with her anymore, we live in entirely different states. It's like an eight-hour drive to go see her now instead of a one-hour drive. And if she was still responsible for my diabetes management, we would be both a lot more stressed out. Being in control of my diabetes management Having that control and having those boundaries means that I get to have a lot more influence over my own life. It's just so empowering. All right. So this next segment is just me basically talking about my boundaries when it comes not necessarily to my parents, just because they are doing a really great job of letting me grow on my own. And I honestly don't have any quarrels or qualms against it because they're doing a really great job at it. And it's really helping me grow as a person and grow as a young adult. So I'm very appreciative of them being able to let go of that. So I really don't have much to speak for my parents because I've already set some boundaries with them and we're already starting to get into that process anyways. So the way I was raised was that I knew that I had the right to say no, that I always could say no, no matter how uncomfortable it made the asker feel. Because when it comes to my personal needs and responsibilities, 
I knew that I had the right to say no. When I was little, my mom would tell me that when I wanted to say no, I just put up my hand, palm forward, and say a firm no, thank you. Of course, this is this was when I was little and didn't really want to play games during recess. So these lessons definitely carried on to my adulthood. But some of the lessons remain. I knew that if I needed to say no to something, to not sound like I was guessing or questioning my decisions. The way that I apply this to my day-to-day is that when I feel uncomfortable answering something, I remind myself of those lessons, to breathe deep and just say no. That's it, just one word. When I apply this to my diabetic life, it usually happens when someone is asking me a question, usually about why I'm type one and if it was because whether I was an obese child or not, or if I ate too much Mackey D's as a kid. And for those of you who don't know, that's lingo for McDonald's which I don't go to anymore. It's just fun to say Mackey D's. That is such a funny like slang term. I've heard that in Australia, it's called Macca's or yeah. something like that. That's kind of where I got it from. I had a foreign exchange student at school. I was like, oh, have you ever been to McDonald's? She's like, no, I've been to Macca's. I can't do the accent, but she's like, no, of course not. And I was like, oh, have you ever been? So then I just started calling it Mackie D's just to kind of like irk her a little bit. And then I just kind of stuck and now everybody understands. Yeah. So I tell people honestly that I actually wasn't a bigger kid. Instead, I played basketball, t-ball, cross country, softball, so many sports. Honestly, my I don't know how my parents kept up. And I usually say that there is a difference between type one and type two and I explain it. But I also tell them that they should change their way of thinking about chronic childhood illnesses that affect like born to even adults who get diabetes. So to me, asking this question is crossing a line. So I'm setting my boundaries. I'm telling, I'm explaining to them that I wasn't a fat child and that it's rude to ask that question because it's changing the subject from an educational stance to more of who's to blame for something that's completely blameless. And we don't even know the reason why we have diabetes yet. So that's me setting my boundaries is just reminding myself how to say no and applying that to each situation or conversation. So when I was uh, chatting with Becky Blodgett last week on the show, uh, Jesse wasn't able to join for that interview. But one of the things Becky said was that all autoimmune starts in the gut. And she was saying that when I was two and a half, I probably had a leaky gut. And that triggered something for type 1 diabetes, but you also need to have the pedigree. And I have the pedigree. My dad's side is all autoimmune. And apparently I had a leaky gut as a kid. I had a vaccine, I think a month or two before I was diagnosed. So we don't know exactly what caused it, but there are clues. The diabetes spotlight this week is on the Abbott Libre Sense CGM, a new over-the-counter sensor that's available in Europe and made made especially for athletes without diabetes to help optimize their performance. Abbott has stated that the device is not intended for people with diabetes. They should use Freestyle Libre 2, which is the flash glucose CGM. Instead, the Libre Sense is designed to help athletes understand the effects of nutrition and glucose on their athletic performance. For that end, Abbott is working with Super Sapiens, a new startup sports technology company founded by former professional athlete and well-known diabetes luminary Phil Sutherland. Sutherland told Diatribe that as he started showing the data from his CGM to more and more athletes without diabetes, every endurance athlete, even those without diabetes, said they wanted access to this same type of insight about their body. 
it allowed them to improve their fueling, which would then help them have better overall performance. While it's not intended for people with diabetes, it opens the door for people with type 2 or pre-diabetes to get their hands on a sensor that still tracks blood sugars. And if they can't get a sensor through their own insurance, that is really cool. It's priced at, a, at a, I think, $160 a month. It's through the Super Sapiens website. And the sensor doesn't have any alarms, but the data streams continuously to the user's device like a smartphone or a smartwatch. So if you have type 2 and you can't get a CGM through your insurance company and you live in, in Europe, and maybe the Libre Sense is the CGM for you. Jesse, what is our question for the audience this week? All right. Our lovely question for you, our lovely audience this week is, what boundaries have you set with your parents about your diabetes as an adult? What boundaries are you worried about having to set once you make this transition? Let us know in the comments or by emailing us. That is it for this episode of This is Type 1. You can find the show notes at inspiredforward.com slash episode 62. That's the number 62. And if you have an idea for an upcoming episode or a guest request, please leave us a comment or send an email. You can get straight to our podcast page by going to thisistype1.com. Our music is by Joseph McDade. Setting boundaries can be difficult, even if you don't have type 1 diabetes. While I learned how to set boundaries from my therapist, you don't need a therapist to figure it out. Sometimes all you need is a coach to help step you through it and help you work through all the thoughts that come up about why it's hard or why you can't set boundaries. And I can help with that. If you're interested in working together, schedule a free 60-minute coaching consult at inspiredforward.com coaching. I'm on all social media as at inspiredforward. And you can find me on DMP, Diabetes Management Platform, as at Colleen Mitchell with a space. So it's Colleen Space Mitchell. And our email is colleen at inspiredforward.com. And I'm on Instagram as at JJ underscore Crystal K-A-T. Please feel free to send me questions or comments you have about type 1 diabetes or about the show. Make sure to let me know that you're a listener of the show too. Also, be sure to keep an eye out for our upcoming bonus episodes. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends, your family, and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I know we ask for this at the end of every episode, but the truth is that ratings and reviews make it a lot easier for other people looking for a podcast on type 1 diabetes to find us. And we shout out all reviews on the podcast. And be sure to listen next week when we talk about emotional management with type 1 diabetes. People aren't taught emotional management in school. And it's something that people with chronic illnesses like type 1 really need to understand and add to their tool belts since we have another layer of stress to deal with. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.